Welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network and simulcasting on Spreaker, Jitsi, and free conference call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. We are live, at least at this time. If you're hearing this anytime other than July 18th, then it's recording. But right now, we are live, July 18th, 2023, Tuesday morning. And this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Then visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the iTeraCare device, which is featured prominently at the top of the homepage. And there's lots of information about that. Basically, there's uh, downloadable flyers and brochures. There's a link to a YouTube playlist that has almost 140 videos up there that talk about the technology, how it's used, and testimonials from people all over the world who have had uh, just life-changing results using these things. Absolutely amazing equipment, and uh, the lowest priced and the best I've found of all the electronic things out there, um, I have yet, I've bought tons and tons of them, and nothing performs like the iTeraCare does. And it's the least expensive of all of them. $300 or $380 delivered to your door, usually in two to three days here in the U.S. Uh, price varies throughout the world depending on location, shipping, VAT taxes, and all that kind of stuff. But here in the U.S., they're $380, one-time purchase, no no auto ships, no lotions, potions, and motions, and everything else. And everybody can use it. Just an amazing device. And um, I encourage you to check that out. Also, we have uh, now Q streaming. Uh, for those of you that like to watch TV, you won't find, I don't think, a better program than this. All the stuff that you normally have to pay upgraded pricing for is included in the same price over almost 2,000 channels. And they're not like uh, on Spectrum and AT&T and all the rest where you see the same channel three or four times. These are three, 2,000 different channels including like 40-some movie channels, all the sports channels, pay-per-view, you name it, and it's only $59.99 a month. All you need is a good high-speed internet connection, and you're good to go. Um, I dropped everything from Spectrum here recently. I was paying almost $300 a month, $280, for two phone lines, internet connection, and TV. I switched to my local... um, 
uh, electric cooperatives uh, fiber system and uh, for my phone and internet and switch to Q streaming and I'm going to have everything for about $140 a month. So less than half what I was paying and I'm going to have better everything. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, anything you can do in this, this day and age to save some money is a smart thing to do. And, um, in my first month, you know, there's $150 uh, connection fee for the, the local internet service, but uh, I'll save that in my first month, so can't beat that. But I encourage you to check it out. The uh, the Q streaming stuff is right below uh, the iTeraCare stuff on the homepage at Your DIY Health, and um, there's two options there. You can sign up just for the service and pay 60 bucks a month, or you can sign up as a referral person. And every time you share it with somebody, if they sign up, you get $6 off your monthly bill. So if you sign up 10 people and they buy the service every month and keep doing it, which I can't see why they wouldn't, yours is free. And if you keep signing more people up, they pay you the extra. And so if you sign up, say, 110 people, yours is free, plus that's $600 a month in residual income. Not too shabby. Anyway. Just thought I'd let you know about that. It's all there. And uh, along with all the other nutritional information, everything else we normally have on the website, uh, check it out. And while you're there, be sure and hit the radio shows tab. At the top of the page is the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm. And there's a close, well, between 12 and 1,300 shows up there now, all shareable via email and social media. They're annotated as to what we talked about. And uh, good stuff. Just share it and have fun with it. Scroll down a little further, you'll see the information about the shows we do, when they're on, and how you listen. And then at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. So there's lots of stuff there. Just check it out. Have fun with it. You don't pay for anything except for the products. Uh, otherwise, all the information is free. So uh, enjoy that. Have fun with it and uh, share it. So now... What we've been doing, basically, for the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, on a series, I guess you could say, <laughs> uh, a multi-week rant of why I am 100% anti-vax. Not just COVID vax, but all vaccines, and why you should consider it, consider it yourself. And this is uh, part 10. <laughs> I took one day off, um, I think it was two weeks ago on Thursday, to discuss uh, the Jim Caviezel movie, um, about Tim Ballard's uh, stuff, uh, um, Sound of Freedom. and um, But other than that, for the last couple of weeks, we've been covering why I'm 100% anti-vax and why you should be too. And I've got a uh, another video that I came across here in the last uh, couple of days called Anecdotal's Movie, New Documentary, COVID Gene Shot Damage. And... Um, it is probably one that we'll we'll split up between today and um, and Thursday because it's about an hour and twenty minutes, uh, maybe a little bit more. So um, thought I would uh, get this started here and let you uh, let me set up the uh, streaming. So if you are on Jitsi or free conference call, you will be able to uh, see the movie as I'm streaming it. Otherwise, um, you'll just uh, be able to hear it, and uh, seeing in these cases is better than hearing. So uh, I encourage you, on the website, there's the information about how to get on Jitsi, how to get on free conference call, 
and uh, either one of those, I will have the the movie streaming so you can watch it as long as well as hear it. So here we go with Anecdotal's movie and the new documentary on the gene, COVID gene shot damage. Here we go. I'm not anti-anything. I don't want what I'm experiencing to have some sort of political bend. I just want my story out there so I and others like me can get the help that we are entitled to. This is not political. This is a human issue. And many other people are getting sick and no one is willing to step up and help us. And so it's usually someone says like, oh, really? Which one did you have? And I'll say, oh, I got Pfizer. Oh, that's strange. My husband got that one and he's fine. I'm like, yeah, and so did a lot of my family members, and they're all totally fine, but some people are not fine. And by the time I got to my car, I noticed that my face was burning and tingling. I can't feel my face. The first time I said those words was 10 months ago. The last time I said those words was two months ago, but I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I went to the emergency room probably 15 times. I was a father of a 60-year-old son. My government lied to me. They said it was safe. The vaccines are safe, I promise you. They are safe and effective. The president promised a safe and effective vaccine in record time, and President Trump delivered. These are safe and effective. Vaccines are safe, effective, and free. I have facial paresthesia and nerve pain for the last five months. Paresthesia is a word that I'd never heard of a year ago, but now... It wakes me up every morning. Severe, painful paresthesias, which are burning, tingling. The people who are not getting vaccines, who are believing the lies on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. One word describes how I felt in the first few months after my diagnosis, abandoned. <laughs> <clears throat> I did what I was asked, got harmed, and there's no program in place for me. I was fighting doctors trying to get them to listen to what was happening to her because nobody else was researching. I have reported my symptoms to VSAFE, VAERS, CDC, FDA, Pfizer. They say we have a small percentage, but how do they truly know what the percentage is when they won't even acknowledge that we exist? So she will not acknowledge it. If I talk about it, she changes the subject. They don't understand, like, yes, I look fine on the outside, but not in the inside, not what I'm feeling, not the vibrations, the muscle twitching, the fatigue. When are we going to stop putting up with the idiots in this country and just say it's mandatory to get vaccinated? After six weeks of neurological reactions from the vaccine, I began to share my experience with people. I was shamed. Oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them silly. Yes, they are. I was told that I was ethically and morally irresponsible because sharing my story could sway people away from getting vaccinated. Let me be clear. I am pro-vaccine. We are pro-vaccine and pro-science. And I have always vaccinated my kids. I've always been vaccinated myself. As a health professional, I understand the danger of creating vaccine hesitancy. Vaccines have saved countless lives, but you cannot erase people who are harmed. We supported the vaccine. We're not irrational. We're not ignorant. We're just a group of people whose lives have drastically changed because of this, and we're not included in the mainstream dialogue. And it turns out the primary freedom they want 
is the freedom to be stupid. I'm listening to Dr. Fauci. I don't have to listen to a million people, just listen to him. I represent science. And if you're attacking me, you're really attacking science. I mean, everybody knows that. Many people who've had this experience have been silenced because we're told that our story is not significant because we are merely anecdotals. But FTA officials instead told us, oh, these stories, AKA my life, um, are just anecdotes. Well, when you're the person who is harmed, it is your 100%. I've been observing it, and I can't deny observation. That's how science happens initially through observation. Then we confirm through hypothesis, experiment, and data. My data is anecdotal. My observational group is significant, but we need additional studies to prove I listened to all the people that you're going to hear today, and in my opinion, the stories that you will hear are more plausible than the fanciful explanations you might also hear. This spring, when the current administration was urging young, healthy Americans to get vaccinated to help end this war on the pandemic, I stepped up because my country asked me to. In June, I joined the rapidly growing number of young men who developed pericarditis post-mRNA vaccine. That is the inflammation of the liner surrounding the heart. That condition, along with POTS and reactive arthritis, have completely brought an end to life as I knew it. I have been bedridden, unable to work, and unable to exercise for months. I'm not asking you to end the vaccine program by any means. All I'm asking is for some transparency and acknowledgement of what is happening. We need to set up a fund with a portion of vaccine proceeds to help heal and study injured Americans and compensate the families who have lost loved ones due to complications of the vaccine. I'm asking you human to human, please do the right thing and help us. We're here to tell our stories, ones largely ignored and silenced, and we hope that you listen and we hope that you ask questions. Today, I am 18 months from my one Pfizer shot, and I still wake up every morning with varying levels of numbness and electrical shocks throughout my body. They subside in about an hour or two, and the rest of the day is random stinging pinpricks and numbness that comes and goes. The unfortunate politicization surrounding COVID vaccine has thrust me into an intense journey. A year ago, I had a basic trust in the CDC, NIH, and government health officials. I trusted the basic facts that came from my reliable left-wing news outlets. Now, I do not. Now, I question everything that I thought I knew. With this movie, my goal is to add nuance so that we might come together in humanity instead of division. Not by agreeing on the answers, but by agreeing on the questions. It's been over nine months since she got her second dose. She can't walk. She's in a wheelchair. I just want to give everybody a a better idea of what happens in a trial because I did not know. When you enter the trial, Um, Everybody uses a trial app. The app only allows you to record solicited adverse events, fever, redness, mild, moderate. There's no free form to fill in any other reaction that you have. What you have to do if you have any other type of adverse event is you have to call the study doctor. This leaves a lot of room for human error and concern of reporting bias coming from the principal investigator. The principal investigator for Maddie's trial is the lead author for the New England Journal of Medicine article. What made it into the trial record is unclear. There's no mention of Maddie's adverse reactions in that article. 
In the EUA amendment, Maddie's adverse reaction was reduced to five lines that was eventually diagnosed as functional abdominal pain. By the data cutoff for the trial, Maddie experienced over 35 adverse events. None of these were mentioned in either document. Maddie was in the hospital when the EUA was approved. I thought that Maddie would be in the best hands possible and the rare chance she had a severe reaction. That was not the case. They did everything in their power to hide everything. Neither Pfizer, the FDA, or the CDC has ever talked to us. A year ago, I received my COVID vaccine when I gladly signed up for a clinical trial here in the United States with AstraZeneca. I was assured that if something were to go wrong, there would be protocols in place to provide a safety net that the data would be collected and the benefits as well as the risks would be assessed and disclosed to the public. The pharmaceutical company agreed to pay any medical expense as a result of a possible injury. We have had to refinance our home to pay for our medical expenses. Like Maddie's trial, we had a tracking app. Like Maddie's trial, our tracking app had pre-designated symptoms in a bullet list with no free form to add any other symptoms The clinical trial report published by the New England Journal of Medicine says the second dose is required to continue in a study. Because my reaction was so severe, I was not allowed to get the second dose. This is different than what is found in the report, which says that these individuals chose to forego the second dose. The clinical trial report also says serious adverse events will be recorded through day 730. I last heard from them on day 60. I am almost at day 365. That is 10 months of critical safety data gone. The heads of the NIH, FDA, and CDC have known firsthand about my case and thousands of others. They know that their lack of acknowledgement has created insurmountable barrier to our ability to receive medical care from doctors who rely on these agencies for information. They know about the issues with the clinical trials. They know about the deaths. They know about the lack of follow-up on VAERS. They know about the injuries to children. They know about Maddie. I have discussed Maddie with them. They know about the suicides as the results of months-long suffering. They know about the aggressive censorship. We did video conferences with Peter Marks and Janet Woodcock, constant emails with Janet Woodcock and myself directly. FDA's done everything to ensure that the COVID-19 vaccines we've authorized have met the agency's high standards for quality, safety, and effectiveness. We train students on how to go beyond a study abstract and start to pick apart and critically assess biomedical studies, not just take them at face value. Everybody knows that COVID vaccines save lives. The clinical trials proved that to be the case. But is it true? The evidence is flimsy. The trials did not show a reduction in death. And you can see that there were similar numbers of deaths in the vaccine and placebo groups, even for COVID deaths, with just two deaths in the placebo group versus one in the vaccine group. My point is not that I know the truth about what the vaccine can and cannot do. My point is that those who claimed the trials showed the vaccines were highly effective in saving lives were wrong. The trials did not demonstrate this. All of the vaccines that received emergency use approval by FDA went through that process and were judged to be safe and effective. That's about the most rigorous evaluation that's ever been done of a vaccine. So you should feel very comfortable. 
I don't think people realize that all these people who had COVID were excluded from the trials. What's going to happen to the 16 children, 16 million children who've already had the virus, who already have immunity, and we're going to subject them to something that wasn't even tested in that group. Now from the clinical trials and real world data, some 6 billion shots being given out around the world, that it is a safe and effective vaccine. I was working on Pfizer's trial. What I saw was like nothing I've ever seen before. The speed in which they were enrolling in the study, four to five coordinators pushing through 40, 50, 60 patients a day. We were not storing the vaccine at its appropriate temperature. The failures in reporting serious adverse events. We had so many reports of adverse events. Again, we just could not keep up. The study doctor signed a physical exam when he wasn't even in clinic. Ventavia had unblinded every patient that was randomized in the trial. When we brought it to their attention, that's what we were instructed to do, remove the evidence and destroy it. Emails about mislabeled blood specimens. Per Pfizer's protocol, we should have immediately stopped enrolling but they never told Pfizer. I would bring the concerns to my managers and it was more understaffed. The FDA, they only see what Pfizer gives them. So I was documenting all of this. And on the 25th of September, I went directly to the FDA and about six and a half hours later, I, I lost my job. I was fired. We undertook a rigorous and thorough review of these uh, scientific data. We're confident that this can be used in this population. Obviously, we will continue to monitor the safety. And obviously, the, the safety looks really, really good. I support vaccines, and I've been vaccinated myself. But I do have concerns about research integrity and the process used to authorize, approve, and mandate vaccines during this emergency. Among 72 studies on the Pfizer vaccine that are registered in clinicaltrials.gov, only one uh, is shown to have been completed, and zero. That's right, zero studies have reported their results publicly. So while we're told to keep following the science, what we are following is not a scientific process based on open data. We're following a process in which the data are treated as secret. And in my view, there's something very unscientific about that. It's not science if you can't see the data, and you cannot see the data from Pfizer trials. We've got these amazing 2,500 volunteers, people highly credentialed, um, medical researchers, doctors and nurses, pouring over these 55,000 documents that a court order forced Pfizer and the FDA to release. Well, they're finding that there were horrible harms deaths, spontaneous abortions, neurological problems, fainting, heart damage, um, muscle, debilitating muscle pain, debilitating joint pain that were concealed by Pfizer and the FDA from the American people. So I'm 22 years old. I was studying at Chestnut Hill College. I was vaccinated in the summer and wasn't able to return. I'm applying for social security income. My legs have been not working for three hours now. I started having tingling in my face and then I started developing GI issues, off and on ringing in the ears. My normal resting heart rate was like in the 50s and 60s. It stays in the 70s and 80s now. My resting heart rate just sitting was over 100. I just felt something wrong on the left side of my chest. It started feeling like tighter and bigger and I just like, uh, 
maybe I should just get this this thing checked out. So I ended up going to the ER and then they they diagnosed me with the pericarditis. I started having internal tremors, which is the most terrifying thing. It started in my right leg and then it went into my torso and you could just feel my body just shaking. I don't think I've cried so much in my life. I was on my mom's couch for like two to three months. She stood with me because she was so afraid that something was gonna happen to me. Burning and numbness all the way from my toes, like to my hands. My daughter even had to like hold me up because I had no strength in my legs. And not every day is great. Like right now, currently I have no strength in my arms. I lost my ability to speak naturally. I have become unable to walk without a walker and never know if or when the tremors will come or go. I can no longer cook, clean, or even pick up and hold my baby for too long before my body begins to shake uncontrollably or is thrown into excruciating amounts of pain, seeing countless ER doctors, as well as two neurologists who have given me no diagnoses, no further testing besides regular blood work, CT scans, EEGs, EKGs, and an MRI, all of which the doctors told me came back normal. Another CT scan, an MRI of my brain, a lumbar puncture, the test came back normal. Yeah, I'm being seen at the best hospital around. They couldn't find anything. Just denied everything. It wasn't the vaccine, it's not the vaccine. So then I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the doctors and then just out of nowhere, I started getting like these, like, felt like my cells were popping and exploding inside my body. I was in the hospital four days. On the fourth day, the doctor came in, he sat down beside me, he goes, we've done every test, nothing's come back, you know, abnormal. I did go to a neurologist three times looking for help. Um, eventually did a brain MRI, did labs, all of those were normal. The ER, of course, everything checked out. He's my older brother. Love the guy to death and beyond. He used to be able to like outpace me. Turn on your TV and all you ever see is ask your doctor if it's right for you and me. So when you ask your doctor, what do you think he'll say? Of course it's right, you dummy. Let's get you hooked on it today. Wake up, you're being screwed. Pharmaceutical drug guys can be so rude They don't care if you live or you die Long as they get their piece of pie mm, my, my, my. And we're back with the second segment of today's edition of Your DIY Health here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network And we're going to get right back into the video Anecdotals movie New documentary, COVID Gene Shot Damage Here we go About it Um, Because when I do, it becomes uh, very emotional for me. I can't go there. Yeah. And um, I can't go there. all of this happened to me, I had what I consider a dream life. All I had to do was just keep it going. I've lost my career, lost my health, lost my savings. I am an unemployed paraplegic who's learning an entire new lifestyle. And the only thing I did between full health and my current condition is take a shot. My life has dramatically changed after this adverse reaction. My career of 19 years, excuse me, 
that I took almost 14 years to train for <clears throat> is likely over. I'm just not safe to work as an orthopedic surgeon. Assuming the FDA and the CDC would be alarmed at my diagnosis, I expected to be contacted soon after my VAERS submission. No phone call, no contact. VAERS is an early warning system to detect possible safety problems in U.S. licensed vaccines, co-managed by the CDC and FDA. Not a single doctor I saw logged me in VAERS. All my reports are my own. The other common theme is that they submitted a VAERS report, that they had to do it and often their physicians didn't. I then contacted the CDC myself. They acknowledged my VAERS submission, but stated my reaction was categorized as not serious, as I had not been hospitalized and I hadn't died. I've had patients go to the hospital and the hospital was like, this is probably from the vaccine. It was never reported. All the energy that's going to be put into reporting to VAERS, yeah. is it going to count towards anything? VAERS is a passive reporting system, meaning that VAERS reports can be submitted voluntarily by anyone. On the VAERS website, it states, under-reporting is one of the main limitations of passive surveillance systems, including VAERS. Somebody called me. They said they were from CDC VAERS. And at the end of the call, they basically said, you won't hear from us again. This is merely for our reporting. And that's kind of how I was left. Well, let's remember what VAERS was designed to do. It really wasn't designed to look at whether or not the vaccine caused an adverse event. For example, uh, people choose what they want to report to VAERS. So there are some reporting biases and other potential limitations that don't allow VAERS to determine whether or not the reported adverse event was caused by the vaccine. Although VAERS reporting is subjective and flawed, data can be analyzed as a way to note disturbing trends that warrant careful attention, such as the fact that there are more reported adverse events for the COVID shots than for all other vaccines combined since they started tracking this data in 1990. VAERS to this day has never called me. I have nothing. Give me something to do. Tell me how to get better. People are asking for help, and the people who are in charge are like, you guys don't exist. When I mention my reaction to the COVID vaccine, I'm met with silence. Rarely do people ask questions, unless they ask, are you sure it was the vaccine? Let me be clear. I had a real adverse event. My symptoms are real, and my life forever has changed. When did the burden of proof become our responsibility? Shouldn't it fall on the companies or health agencies who are claiming their product is safe? And how do I prove it to you? What would you accept? The countless medical labs that show nothing? If you're wondering how to know if these reactions are real, I ask you, how do you know they're not real? So much ugliness and bitterness from people who know just the surface of what's happened to me after this vaccine. It has become the loneliest and most isolating experience I've had in my 35 years of life. We went to the emergency room and I insisted that they check his head. And that's when we found blood clots in his brain. His risk of death from one of those thromboses becoming a catastrophic event, some of the doctors have hypothesized it was greater than 90%.
So we sat there in the ICU, basically hoping Everest would not die because there was very little they could do. They did tests on Everest from Black Plague <laughs> to HIV. They tested him for HIV twice, and they never thought to look really hard at the vaccine. They really dismissed it. They, In fact, when I would push them, I actually had one of the physicians say, why are you being so combative? And I said, because the symptoms started the night of his shot. The doctors can't find anything wrong with you. So then they're like, oh, this must be psychological. They even tried to admit her to a mental hospital. There was a lot of questioning if I was crazy. Other people had the vaccine and they had side effects and they came back. I could not wait to pee. I'm like, I just want to give you my urine so you see that I'm not using cocaine like to keep using me up. I have been called a liar and a fake and I have even been told by the ER doctors that this is all in my head. They called a social worker to have me evaluated and tried to have me committed to Western State Mental Health Hospital. I have to fight to be believed and not written off as anxious. Until public health authorities acknowledge these injuries, you can't seek treatment. I was and still am pro-science and pro-vaccine. The main issue rests squarely on the fact that the FDA, CDC, and NIH refuse to acknowledge that real lives are being absolutely destroyed by this vaccine. We all go in there thinking we're not going to be in that 1% of people who get harmed. But a lot of people don't know when it doesn't go well, you cannot sue. There's no vaccine injury hospital for you. And there's no one researching you. That small percentage is a terrible place to be. I've had six spinal taps over eight months, missed nearly an entire year of my life and part of my children's lives. My family and I are on the verge of losing everything we have. It was my understanding that the federal government accepted the responsibility of helping people injured by this vaccine, considering they gave the vaccine manufacturers full legal immunity. You can't sue Pfizer, J&J, or Moderna for any of the injuries. You're relegated to a program called CICP, which has a standard of proof that makes it almost impossible to obtain compensation, and the amount of compensation is, is de minimis for the most part. My doctor called me at home and wouldn't give me an exemption. And she said, but I believe you had an adverse reaction. I've been seeing you and you should not get a second shot, but I'm not doing exemptions and I won't even report it was an adverse reaction because that's how afraid she is that the medical board's gonna. I've also asked my primary care physician for an exemption four times and I live in Boise, Idaho. And yeah, the network there basically told her under no circumstance are you allowed to get an exemption. It has become de facto impossible to get a medical exemption for a COVID vaccine in the state of California. I received a letter from the California State Medical Board saying any physician in California who writes an inappropriate exemption will have his medical license subjected to investigation and disciplinary action. Their licenses have been threatened. And because their licenses have been threatened, we cannot get medical care. I've seen emails where Hospital threaten their doctors. You cannot sign medical exemptions. You cannot talk about, you cannot report adverse reactions to these vaccines. And if somebody was actually brave enough to do that on writing, there were other people higher up to erase those. I have the proof and I have the people that have shown me these things. But it takes a brave doctor oh, yeah. to say, yes, if I believe my patient is having a reaction, I'll give them an exemption. There is one other doctor that I know who's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect my patients. I'm gonna stand up for what I believe in. And everyone else is very afraid or has gone over here and there's been a lot of shaming actually 
um, in the doctor community that I move around in, I'm here supporting my patients and what they need. And that doesn't mean that I'm telling people not to get the vaccine at all. I'm giving them informed consent. These are the pros and cons of the vaccine. This is the risk category that you're in. I want you to make the decision that feels right for you. The ethical principle of free and informed medical consent guaranteed by the Nuremberg Code the Helsinki Declaration was abandoned. We still know nothing about long-term vaccine harms because the vaccines haven't been out that long. How can we possibly provide informed consent without this information? You can't have informed consent if you don't tell your patients of the risks and benefits. When I emailed Army Public Health Command and asked about adverse events, the epidemiologist told me that they were not tracking, tracing, or monitoring adverse events. I think at the beginning, the vaccines were probably working well enough to make it worth it. And I'm one of these that I'm willing to roll up my sleeve for science. You know, I understand that. I would have liked better informed consent. One of the main side effects that we see is neurological. The reporting and the findings of the adverse effects, the publishing of them is very low. And that is in direct contradiction with what the healthcare people are seeing. And a lot of that is coming from this belief that global vaccination is better than the risk of these adverse events. But I would ask, how do we know that? Public health guidance on this is crystal clear. Even if someone has already had COVID-19 and recovered, vaccination is the safest and most effective way to build a durable immune response that protects you, your family, your friends, and your community. We were being told that the vaccine was the only solution and anyone who questioned it was ostracized. But where did that leave people like me who weren't able to get fully vaccinated? Did I need to self-isolate forever? Prevention is a huge part of naturopathic medicine and a huge part of my practice is let's not wait until someone's in the ICU to try to save them. Yeah. Let's do that ahead of time. It was clear that the majority of the people dying of COVID had comorbidities including obesity being a prime risk factor. But not only were there no campaigns to incentivize good health, people were being offered free fast food burgers and fries if they got vaccinated. Did you say free fries when you get vaccinated? Just think of this when you think of vaccination. Mmm, vaccination. So I've seen hundreds of COVID patients by this time, some of them vaccinated, some of them unvaccinated. Everyone did really well with it, including my own 89-year-old grandmother who actually wasn't vaccinated, but she made it through a week. Over a year after my one Pfizer shot, I contracted COVID. And my bout with COVID was six hours of slightly aching muscles and a mild headache. But while I, a healthy and not fully vaccinated person, hardly noticed that I had COVID, I had fully vaccinated and boosted friends getting extremely sick with it, but still saying things like, thank God I'm vaccinated or it would be way worse. Now, they may be right, but how do they know? I am absolutely exhausted about hearing about vaccinated and unvaccinated. There's only one category you need to care about. It's untreated versus treated. That the FDA and the CDC actually coerce individuals for whom the vaccine is unsafe to receive the vaccine and then incur fatal and non-fatal injuries is, at this point in time, malfeasance. I started hearing highly credentialed doctors talk about possible other ways to treat and prevent COVID. The vaccines were waning, boosters were being pushed, and proven treatments like monoclonal antibodies were not widely available. 
Doctors were finding that off-label medications were helpful in some circumstances, and then they were prohibited from using them. This censorship was hurting those of us who were vaccine injured because doctors were pressured to push the vaccine and encouraged not to say anything negative. Was it possible that there were other treatments besides the vaccine that could also reduce the risk of extreme COVID? I'm giving high dose IV steroids. I'm giving, you know, 25 grams of IV vitamin C. I've kept over 2000 people out of the hospital. And if you look at current statistics, 20 of those people should be dead and they're not. I'm having the same experiences that you did with the hospitals. So it's not just you, it's all of us. I'm currently a COVID center and a lot of people call me up. You have to pick up the challenge and help the patient. We have state agencies and hospitals interfering with the sacred patient-physician relationship. For the first time in my entire career, I could not be a doctor. I had seven COVID patients, including a 31-year-old woman. I was not allowed to treat these people. I had to stand by idly. I had to stand by idly watching these people die. I then tried to sue the system. And you know what they did? They then accused me of seven most outrageous crimes that I had committed, ignoring the fact that under my care, the mortality was 50%, those of my colleagues. And the end result was I lost my hospital privilege and was reported to the National Practitioner Data Bank. So here I was standing up for patients' rights, and this hospital, this evil hospital, ended my medical career. So that's what they do. Physicians have always been granted discretionary latitude to exercise their own medical judgment. This is the first time in my career I've worried. Is somebody going to be looking over my shoulder asking me why I've prescribed fluvoxamine for this indication rather than that indication. I prescribe it for depression, no problem. Are you giving this to treat COVID? Why should it matter to you? The NIH, the CDC, and the FDA are not involved in medical education. We went through a residency of medical school, a residency program. I've never called the FDA, the NIH, or the CDC for advice. So to have them dictate our medical practices has to stop. Every patient has a slight potential Thing that we might do differently. And if we don't do that, we are, not, we are not good doctors. They are afraid to treat us. We have had patients who are severely injured and are dying, who cannot get in the door to get seen by physicians because physicians are afraid of the word COVID vaccine. And it's this looming threat without definition. You're spreading misinformation. Oh, do cite the papers in which I am you know, spreading misinformation. They will not define it. They will attack you. They will threaten you. They will put you in a state of fear and say, you can only do what we say, but don't save a life. These are crimes against humanity. We have patients who are falling ill with a treatable disease and they can't get treatment. When the state are telling doctors that they can't do any doctoring, has misinformation gotten out of control? Today, we'll be citing Jay Bhattacharya, 
That old hack from Stanford University, Professor Jay Bhattacharya, says a proposed California law threatens to make such dissent career ending by handing the state the power to strip medical licenses from doctors who disagree with government positions on COVID. The bill is motivated by the idea that practicing doctors are spreading misinformation about the risks of COVID, its treatment and the COVID vaccine. Oh, you doctors. I remember when there was just conspiracy theorists out there, but those conspiracy theorists, so manipulative, they've managed to turn themselves into doctors on the side. It declares that physicians and surgeons who disseminate or promote misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19, including false or misleading information, who's false? Who's misleading? This is the problem that we're faced with these days, isn't it? The language of the bill itself is intentionally vague about what constitutes misinformation. Doctors, fearing loss of their livelihoods, will need to hew closely to the government line on COVID science and policy, even if that line does not track the scientific evidence. We, ordinary folk, we query whether or not it really is false and misinformation or if it's just not bloody convenient to their aims, agenda, objectives. I'm so disappointed that we are suppressing knowledge. I am pro-vaccine. My children have been fully vaccinated. Before December 24th, I was running them to football games, baseball games. Um, I started with the numbness and tingling in my fingertips, my toes. Every time I stood up, my heart rate was soaring to like 170, 180. When we're pushing something out that has not had clear FDA approval, has not been through all of those rigorous testings, we have to be open to fallout. A nurse friend of mine who worked in a hospital declared that anyone who was not getting vaccinated should never speak to her again. She said that she'd been putting her life on the line dealing with COVID deaths, and she feels personally disrespected if you choose not to get the shot. Of course, I empathize with her. But for every nurse who believes 100% in the vaccines, there are nurses who refuse to get vaccinated so vehemently that they're willing to lose their jobs. Is one nurse telling the truth and the other lying? Or is it possible that there are many different angles to this issue that's strewn as black and white? At work, because you're a nurse, like, do you just not really talk about this because it's kind of controversial type thing? Like, yeah, I mean, like my coworkers are aware. They know because I have like these big bumps that appear on my skin. If the boosters become mandated, where does that leave you? Well, I wouldn't get it. There, no, there's no doubt. Like, why? Why in the world would they ever make you get something that would harm you? And do you have kids? Oh, yes. When you're thinking about all of them getting vaccinated, was that a hard decision? Yeah, I mean, they're old enough to definitely make their own choices, but they watched everything that happened to me and they were like, no way. Let me speak as a pediatrician. You should vaccinate your kids. Benefits of the vaccine clearly outweigh the risks. We looked at the risks of disease, the risks of death, of hospitalizations, of long COVID among children. And importantly, we looked at how well these vaccines work. 91% effective against infection. And then, of course, we reviewed the safety data. There were no severe events associated with the safety of this vaccine. There is a disease category upon which the FDA, the CDC, and all stakeholders agree that the vaccines cost and that's myocarditis or heart inflammation. The risks of the vaccines are far greater 
than the risks of COVID-19, the respiratory illness. I looked at the myocarditis cases. I'm not very concerned about most of them. Unlike viral myocarditis, we see where there's heart failure. This is a symptomatic mild inflammation that is very transient, goes away very quickly in most kids. I am stunned when I hear people dismiss myocarditis as an acceptable side effect because myocarditis is life-threatening and a life-disabling condition. We don't know the long-term prognosis of vaccine-induced myocarditis, whether heart damage is permanent. We haven't studied the problem long enough. A twinge of chest discomfort, they may go to the hospital, they draw a blood test, they say, oh, well, there's a cardiac enzyme that's a little high. We're going to keep them for observation for a day. They send them home and they tell them to not run a marathon for the next three months. I'm telling you, as a specialist, myocarditis is not mild. I wondered why we're not warned about myocarditis at the time of vaccination. The FDA says you'll recover if you don't exercise for three months. But what happens if someone doesn't know they have it and they don't rest? Hey, I'm going to stop it right there for just a second. I want to comment on a couple of things. Oh, my goodness. If I was, I got to be careful. Otherwise, I'll be doing this every two words that these people say. Um, the the fact that they're sitting there saying that uh, there were no indications of any kind of uh, adverse events uh, when these things were rolled out. That is absolute BS. It's a 100% total lie. Uh, right in front of me, I have a copy of the CBER plans for monitoring COVID-19 vaccine safety and effectiveness for the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is a slideshow that was presented to the FDA on October 22nd, 2020, two months before the jabs were rolled out. Okay, they went out in like December of 2020. And on slide 16, uh, let's see, here it is. Um, this is the FDA safety surveillance of COVID-19 vaccines draft work and it's underlined in capitals. Working list of possible adverse event outcomes subject to change or get bigger. Okay, this is the list that the FDA was aware of two months before these jabs were rolled out as they were saying, yes, they're safe and effective. They've gone through rigorous testing and there's no problem. Guillain-Barre syndrome, which will kill you if you're not careful. You end up in a, on a ventilator or in the old days it was an iron lung because you can't breathe. Acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, transverse myelitis, encephalitis, myelitis, encephalomyelitis, meningocephalitis, and meningitis, and encephalopathy, convulsions and seizures, stroke, narcolepsy and cataplexy, anaphylaxis, acute myocardial infarction or heart attack, myocarditis and pericarditis. That's the biggie that they're all talking about. And this one bimbo just said, oh, it's no problem. Any case of myocarditis is generally fatal within five to six years. Autoimmune disease. Oh, here's one, death. <laughs> yeah, they had people die in their so-called testing, but that was all swept under the rug. Pregnancy and birth outcomes. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Pregnancy and birth outcomes, does it mean, oh, somebody's going to have a baby that wasn't planning on it? No, it means that someone who's going to who's planning on have a baby ain't going to. The increase in um, 
late-term spontaneous abortions, uh, in other words, miscarriages. Normally, miscarriages occur in the first trimester. And now we've got people that are a few weeks from delivering. Take one of these jabs, and the next thing you know, they're, they're having their baby dead with all kinds of weird-looking things on them. Pregnancy and birth outcomes, 82% of women that got these jabs ended up miscarrying or having a spontaneous abortion. Other acute demyelinating diseases, non-anaphylactic allergic reactions, thrombocytopenia, disseminated intravascular coagulation. That's a big one to keep an eye on. In other words, nasty clotting. Venous thromboembolism. Arthritis and arthralgia, Hi. joint pain. Coll- My name is. Your DIY Health Radio. Your DIY Health Radio. Your DIY Health Radio. Sergeant Jim Graham, if you can call me Sergeant. Our number two of your DIY health here on the True Frequency Radio Network and simulcasting on Jitsi, Spreaker, and Free Conference Call. And uh, before the break, I was commenting on the uh, situation where they were acting, or the people, these doctors are saying, oh, there's no adverse events. Everything's fine. These things are totally safe and effective. And I commented on the uh, the list that I had, this, the uh, slideshow that I was that was presented to the FDA two months before these things were rolled out, addressing or listing several adverse events that were just general categories that when you break it down turns into a couple thousand different things, and um, included in there was myocarditis, pericarditis, myocardial infarction or heart attack and death. They knew two months before these jabs were rolled out that people would be having these situations occur. And it was done by lot numbers. The interesting thing is, and if I I don't have the video close by, or I'll I'll probably play it on Thursday if I remember, but uh, um, Greg Reese of InfoWars did a really, really good breakdown on the fact that they were running these jabs that they knew which ones were more deadly than the others. And they were purposely sending those bad ones to the red states, the mostly conservative Republican states, trying to kill Republicans so they could invent in, you know, use this as among other things to influence the next election and uh, kill off conservative people. I think it really backfired on them because what they were assuming is red states were all red. Where they're not, you know, I'm in a I'm in a red state, Ohio, which, when you get outside the big cities, it's red. Inside the big cities, it's remarkably blue. And what was happening, I think, is you know the smart people, the conservatives, were refusing to take the jabs, and but the blue people were taking them like crazy, 
So the people that actually got the jabs in the red states were the blue people. And they ended up affecting those people, killing them off and just making the red states more red, <laughs> increasing the uh, the percentages. So I think that was shooting themselves in the foot. But they knew by lot number which ones were more dangerous than others. And it was a conservative or a coordinated effort between Pfizer, Moderna and uh, Johnson and Johnson. They would roll out one bad batch someplace while the other two companies were putting out more mild things. And then once that happened, then another company would roll out a bad batch and the other two would put out something more or less, you know, less terrible. And a big part of it was the a major majority, probably 50% or more of the jabs that went out were nothing more than saline solution. Most people that thought they got the COVID jab actually got a placebo because they couldn't roll out the deadly things everywhere or too many people would be dying too quickly and that would be, make even the most liberal of idiots stand up and take notice. But they, it was a concern. <clears throat> it was a, you know, programmed effort. And there's websites out there. I think one of them is called howbadismybatch.com where they actually take a look at all the different batch numbers and tell you how dangerous this particular one was, how many adverse events came from it. And because the VAERS system and the other reporting systems all include a spot for your batch number, your, your lot number. And that's something that, you know, is put right on your little idiot injection card when you get it. So when you have an adverse event and you actually file a complaint or a, a, a thing with VAERS, they take a look at those numbers and they can tell, okay, this lot number was really hot. It was causing lots and lots of problems. This lot number, not so much. And they compiled all that information and put it on a website called How Bad Is My Batch? And you can actually, if you were jabbed, you can go there, find your batch number and see how, how bad it was and have a halfway decent idea whether you're going to end up with a bad event or not. But this stuff, you know, and this is what I've been covering all this time. They, they talk about, you know, I'm not anti-vaccine and, you know, I've had all my children vaccinated. That just proves that you're ignorant. You know, it's, it's not a badge of honor. You know, I proudly say I am anti-vaccine. There is no evidence whatsoever that any vaccine has ever helped anyone. It's all bogus manipulated numbers put out by the government, the um, Big Pharma and the American Murder Association. And why would they do that? Oh, you're crazy. Why would they do that? What makes more money? You've always, in this case, you've always got to follow the money. First off, they all act like the germ theory is correct, where if you're exposed to somebody with COVID, you'll get COVID. Well, if that's the case, how come when this first started out and they had COVID on cruise ships and they locked those cruise ships down for like two weeks and you had people in the same stateroom that were not allowed out, they were locked in their own stateroom for two weeks. One person had COVID, one person didn't. 
if it was such a deadly communicable disease, how come both people didn't have COVID? Mm -hmm. Answer me that. Riddle me that, Batman. Because it's not a germ. It's not communicable. Never has been, never will be. It's all part of a false theory started out by Edward Jenner and a bunch of other boneheads in order to make money for the medical community and big pharma through fear. Oh, you've got this wee beastie that you can't even see that's going to make you sick. You better take this vaccine. This will protect you. Oh, really? <laughs> and of course, they, they start talking about measles and chicken pox and all these other things that they claim were stopped by vaccines. When in fact, every single one of those childhood infections were totally, almost totally gone, like to the tune of 98% or more before the vaccines were ever rolled out. And I encourage you to get a copy of Dissolving Illusions by Suzanne Humphreys and Roman Bistrianic. It goes into very in-depth uh, research and using government figures showing mortality rates from measles, from chickenpox, and from a whole bunch of different childhood infections that were really, really bad late 18, early 1900s. And then as cleanliness kicked in, you know, as the cities started catching up with the influx of people, you know, you had so many people moving into the cities back then in order to find work that they were overwhelming the local, um, uh, shoot, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, infrastructure. They had bad housing, they had bad sanitation, there were no sewerage systems or anything like that. You had fecal matter floating down the streets and stuff, stacked up, you know, knee deep in some alleys and things like that in the early 1900s, even in New York. And it was so bad that people were getting sick, not from germs, but from toxins that were built up. And once the sanitary conditions improved and people started getting better food, better water, uh, more sanitary conditions, you had sewerage systems that were put in place so you didn't have all kinds of crap floating down the street. All of a sudden, those childhood in infections started waning and they had dropped to the tune of 96, 98 or more percent before the first vaccines were ever rolled out. And then, of course, Big Pharma takes credit for something that the local sanitary system really did. Oh, yeah, we stopped these dangerous, deadly diseases. And the thing was, <clears throat> it was never considered deadly until they had a vaccine for it. And then it was only through the propaganda and the marketing programs that something was then labeled as deadly because now we got a vaccine to protect you from it, which is baloney. You're going to get it. You know, you have people all the time who've had their measles shots and still get measles. They've had the chicken pox shot. They still get chicken pox. There's no proof that a vaccine has ever protected anybody. It's like trying to prove a negative. Just because somebody doesn't get sick with something doesn't mean they were protected by a vaccine. It just means they didn't get it for whatever reason. Because there's plenty of people who have been so-called protected with vaccines that end up getting the illness anyway. 
oh, well, thank goodness I was vaccinated or it would have been even worse. All they're doing is repeating, parroting the lies, the propaganda put out by Fauci and all the rest, saying it will lessen the severity. Oh, baloney. Prove it. You know, that's, you know, that's the thing that these people that have been vaccinated and they still get a really bad case of COVID, supposedly, which is just no, it's another word for flu or cold. <laughs> you know, it's the same symptomology. They just put a different name on it to scare people. And they say, oh, well, if you hadn't been vaccinated, it would have been even worse. Well, just like the one lady mentioned, she had one dose of the jab. She supposedly got it. And it lasted all of, what, six hours or something? Achiness and, you know, that kind of thing. And then she was over it. But her friends who were vaccinated had a really bad case. But thank goodness they were jabbed or it would have been even worse. Baloney. You know, they got what they got because they were jabbed. And that's a proven fact now. The only people that are sick and dying with COVID still are the ones who have been jabbed. And it ain't going to be over for a long time. You know, they think this is bad now. Wait, two to five years. There are going to be a lot of folks that are no longer with us. And every single one of them will be gone because they took the jab. I got a call from a friend of mine yesterday who was brokenhearted because uh, some years ago, his granddaughter was diagnosed with a form of uh, some kind of cancer. And um, in the process of this, because they were constantly in hospitals and whatnot, they befriended another family who had a daughter of the same general age with the same kind of, uh, you know, cancer, apparently. And they were able to take care of his daughter, granddaughter's cancer by using um, cannabis type stuff, different protocols from a guy in, I think, Colorado that really had some highly developed plants. And they managed to get some for this other little girl. So they both, um, I don't know if it was went into remission or got rid of it completely or what, but just a few, not too long ago, the family of this friend, this girl that they befriended, had her COVID jabbed. And she died two days ago. Her cancer came back, which is a common occurrence with COVID jabs. If you had cancer, it will come back with a vengeance. If you didn't have cancer, you'll get a new form. But in this case, she got the COVID shot. And in no time at all, her cancer came back and killed her. Because she was more than likely because she was given that shot. And this young lady is, you know, probably now, I think around, was around somewhere around between seven and 10 years old. To battle cancer, get rid of it. And then through government propaganda, believe that you're helping your child who had virtually no threat from COVID whatsoever, give her the jab, the cancer comes back and, and kills her. What those parents must be going through, second guessing everything, wondering, you know, if they have any idea of the amount of information that's out there, that said, oh, we know, you know, if they have made the mental link between the COVID jab or what caused it to come back, you know, they literally killed their baby. And 
to have to live with that the rest of your life would be a very difficult thing to do. But that's happening over and over again all over the world. And it's absolutely sad. But um, I want to play a little bit more of this video till we get at least to the center point, and then we'll uh, pick up from there. Here we go. Well, we can't say with certainty yet, but the pediatric cardiologists feel that the chance that this is going to be associated with any kind of lasting uh, effect is extremely small. December 17th, 2020, they did a study and they knew they caused heart conditions in teenagers. Why wasn't this information released until October 1st this year? They need to quit pushing this on their children. A lot was going on right after the shot. I had extreme pain in my shoulder and my elbow, and then all the tingling came in. But I had the sensation that water was running from the corner of my mouth down to the side here, um, my and fingers. The, and the Novocaine, right? Right. It I was like feeling. I had that feeling, the Novocaine gum or mouth. It, it was like coming out of the dentist yeah. or something like that. Holding things is harder than it was before. You had a reaction. And now you have to decide if you're going to give your kids the vaccine. And if you don't, they're not going to school. Although the California school mandate was postponed, many parents had already rushed to vaccinate their children. And the threat still looms. But there was so much information coming out. You need to do it because of this. And you need to not do it because of this. And there was just no way to navigate that. The day before Evie went in for his I crumpled into a ball in the shower, sobbing, felt like I had failed my children, that I couldn't protect them. I couldn't see how to protect them. I mean, thank goodness, there was no, no reaction. I'm not gonna risk my child's health when, if he has reaction, I know he will not be taken seriously. He will not be cared for. He will not be anything. He also won't be able to necessarily tell me how he's feeling differently because he's just turned seven. He actually just got COVID um, last month. He had a mild fever and sluggishness for a few hours. By the time it was bedtime, it was gone. And he was totally normal. If you want to vaccinate your child, fantastic. I don't care. Do whatever you think is right. But I'm not risking my child's safety for something that to me seems completely unnecessary. Overall, I think the potential for benefit of vaccinating children is enormous. But there simply haven't been enough children studied yet to know for sure. I do believe that children at highest risk do need to be vaccinated, but vaccinating all of the children to achieve that seems a bit much for me. So I'm having some challenges with this one. What you're pointing at is if you have something that is very safe and you can administer in a mass vaccination, why wouldn't you do it if you can prevent even, you know, 400 deaths of children a year? Uh, am I understanding that? calculus correctly? Exactly. So children certainly can get this virus. I was on service last week. We had a child who, who had a pretty severe COVID pneumonia, and he was really struggling. So if this disease can be prevented safely, then it, it should be prevented. So today I want to look at a study from Singapore, over a quarter of a million children. Now, 22 of the children suffered a severe adverse reaction to the vaccination. Only five children needed uh, oxygen. And of that five, only four were admitted to intensive care. There was two went to intensive care from the fully vaccinated group and only one uh, from the unvaccinated group. The risk of adverse events is more than four times the risk of the child requiring 
oxygenation or indeed being admitted to intensive care. The risk benefit analysis has changed. I'm still concerned. Could we find down the road? And do we have this again? Did you do it again? In January 2022, I lost a job. I had a blood test showing that I still had antibodies and a doctor's exemption, and I was willing to get tested every day. They didn't care. I couldn't go to restaurants, gyms, malls, events. So when the anti-mandate rally came to Los Angeles, I attended it to represent those of us who were suddenly societal outcasts just for doing what the government asked us to do. Even if you fundamentally disagree with someone else's stance, does that justify the lack of compassion for them losing their livelihoods? Through the madness and the... Okay, I'm going to stop it there because uh, part six is getting started. Um, but I'm glad we got to that point. Uh, where she's talking about the mandates and all that kind of stuff and the social ostracization, which was definitely something, especially in the blue states, was something that was being done. You know, you had people like, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Shot Jock uh, from Chicago. Um, I can't even remember his name. Somebody who was very, very paranoid. Uh, he's a germaphobe, you know, scared to death. Uh, to go outside and uh, be out there because he's he's totally swallowed the Kool-Aid of the germ theory. And for Howard Stern, that's his name. And basically saying it's time we just, you know, heck with you people, just mandate everybody has to get it. We have gotten to the point in this country where it's us against them. And instead of the us being the little people and the them being the people that are controlling everything, they have succeeded in taking, you know, the sleight of hand. They've taken the, the light off of themselves as they are screwing the population. And, of course, very successfully gotten everybody to be at war with each other whether it's Republicans versus Democrats, conservatives versus liberals, uh, vaxxed versus unvaxxed, <laughs> idiots versus common sense people. That's the one I like. But they have basically put us into two teams where we're fighting each other, and especially on the other side. You know, I'm on a team where basically I'm a personal rights team. You know, I, I know why that how this country was supposed to have been founded, even though it was a big fraud from the beginning. You know, the people that think the Constitution was some God inspired, uh, wonderful document. You are so fooled and led astray that you may never see the light of day. Now, the Declaration of Independence was God inspired. It was written by godly men, by Christians who really wanted the best for this country, believed in individual liberties. The people that wrote the Constitution, however, not so much. It was all about us like, starting the us versus them, the intelligentsia. The, you know, there were people um, that Alexander Hamilton, for example, fully believed and admitted openly that he didn't think the general public were smart enough to be able to rule their own lives. They had to be led around by the nose by someone more intelligent like himself. Um, 
And the the so-called federalists that everybody thinks were so great today, you have the Federalist Society who thinks they're so conservative and everything. The Federalists basically wanted to maintain colony status under the king. And it was only when they were actually forced into uh, stepping away from that by the by the general population that they finally embraced it. But then when they wrote the Constitution, it was just to create a new king called a president. And I'm not going to get into that any deeper just because it's, you know, a whole different show. You can listen to my Thursday shows in the afternoon about that. Uh, we cover that every Thursday, and you will get a real education in history of this country that you never got from the coach in high school, trust me. But what they have done is they has got us split aside, separated into two groups, and I'm on the side of individual liberty, rightful liberty, which means I have the right to make the choices for myself and my loved ones, my family, my my children. You have the right to do exactly the same thing for yourself. If you want to take the COVID jab, you go right ahead. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I'm not going to say you're, well, I might think you're crazy, but, you know, again, it's your right. What I say is not have, not going to have any effect on what you do. On the other hand, the other side is I'm taking it, therefore everybody needs to take it because everybody has to do what I think is right. That's literally the side of the COVID jabs because they're too ignorant to do their own research into these things. They simply get on the side of big government, big pharma, and the American Murder Association, and they think because all the big talking heads are saying this is the way to go, and because the doctors, the general, you know, most of the doctors who have no education on vaccines whatsoever say it's the way to go. You know, in medical school, they don't get information on, you know, here's the pros and cons of vaccines. Here's the, the, the truth. Here's the government statistics that show that all these illnesses were gone almost entirely before the jabs were ever rolled out. And it wasn't the jabs that solved the problem. No, they were, they're, they're indoctrinated with the information saying that the jabs solved the big problems of childhood illnesses, which is a lie. But that's what they're told in medical school, so they believe it. And here's the schedule. Make sure your kids get the schedules. The real reason? Because if they don't, if you don't have 85 to 90% of your children in your practice jabbed with everything under the sun, you don't get all the big bonuses. And just one percentage will knock you out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And most doctors can't afford it, even if they had the... back with the last segment of today's edition of your DIY health here on the truth frequency radio network. And uh, before the break, we we're contrasting the uh, us against them scenario where they've got um, the uh, ants against the grasshoppers. And uh, just for the fun of it, let me see if I can find it here real quick. Um, <laughs> I think should be. 
if I can get this thing to work. Um, hmm. Oh, here we go. This is a little idea of what we're talking about here. Stood up to me. Yeah, but we can forget about him. Yeah, it was just one hand. One hand. Yeah, you're right. It's just one hand. Yeah, boss. They're puny. Hmm, puny. Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant. Did that hurt? <laughs> nope. Well, how about this one? Are you kidding? <laughs> well, how about this? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Yeah. So that's from A Bug's Life. And that's what's going on. They, the grasshoppers or the people controlling things, the, the intelligentsia, the Illuminati, the New World Order, whatever you want to call them, they have done a very amazing job, basically, of getting the generally dumb public fighting amongst ourselves. And they do it through fear. You have the weak-minded who don't do their own research, who are public school, public fool system, edgemaking or indoctrinated. And they basically believe whatever they're told by the talking heads, by Fauci, by uh, the bimbo running the CDC, and all these morons out there, you know, Bill Gates. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, people that can't even tie their own shoes. And when someone says it's safe and effective and that vaccines save lives and all the other BS, they just willingly believe it because they want to be on the winning team. The big guys. They figure if they're on the side of the government and Big Pharma and the American Murder Association, they must be right because they would never lie to us. And then they willingly, vocally, and sometimes physically attack the people who are just interested in their own and exercising their own God-given rights to self-determination. The people that are smart enough to know that if you hear something from the government, if their lips are moving, they're probably lying. And they do their own research. They look into things. They find out the truth instead of just believing the fake science of Fauci. Yes, I am science. And if you disagree with me, you're disagreeing with science. Baloney. That guy hasn't said one thing about science since it all started, except for the fact that face masks don't work. You know, he mentioned that at one time. And then the next thing you know is, well, if one is good, then two must be better. Double up with those face masks. And the people that are on that side, for some reason, can't see the insanity of what these people are saying. They can't see when Fauci says one minute 
You don't need to be going out and getting face masks. Only the people in the hospitals need those. Really? And if, if face masks help the people in the hospital, then maybe we should have them too. And then all of a sudden, well, one is good, but you better wear two just in case. Just double up, maybe even triple up on those things. They were playing games with people from the very get-go. And the generally dumb public, Bubis Americanus, just swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. They drank the Fauci-flavored Kool-Aid. And they attacked anybody else that was smart enough to think on there and you have two brain cells to rub together to realize that they were being hoodwinked. They just attack you. You have, that's where, you know, the term Karen, <laughs> that came, that didn't exist really before COVID. Because you had the Karens out there that if they saw you in the park not wearing a face diaper, they would get their little cell phone out and start yelling and screaming at you and calling the police and doing all kinds of things. It was something to watch. It was rather entertaining to see just how stupid people can be. And just when you thought you'd seen it all, something else would come up. You know, people being refused admittance to you know, stores and, you know, all the stuff that they were talking about, especially in the blue states, socially ostracized. If you didn't kowtow and comply with everything the state was saying, you were basically persona non grata everywhere you went. Like I said, I'm in Ohio, and uh, even though they had mandates, I refused to comply with any of them. I went grocery shopping when they said you had to have a face diaper, and I never wear a face diaper the entire time COVID's been going on. Never once did I put one on. And I I made up, you know, little cards, little uh, ID things I'd hang around my neck, you know, basically saying that I had a uh, physical uh, exemption that uh, face wearing a face mask caused a risk of physical harm. And that's true for everybody. Because when you obstruct your breathing, you are potentially causing risk to yourself. Not to mention the fact when you're breathing all kinds, you know, rebreathing all kinds of junk. You know, people don't realize that when you exhale, that's not just carbon dioxide, but that's other crap too. And when you put a face diaper on, when you exhale, the face diaper catches some of that toxic crap that you're exhaling, getting out of your body, the waste products. And you're re-inhaling that stuff. And it's lowering your oxygen levels and increasing your toxin levels. That's not good. And that's the case for every single person who wears a face diaper. And the thing is, there's no science anywhere that I've been able to locate that ever supported scientifically wearing of face diapers. For Even in surgery. There's actually the one study I found that showed it was a case where you had equal um it was the same surgical team did the same number of almost identical cases the only difference was the patients but they did half the cases with face diapers and half the cases without and the surgeon you know the post-operative infections were lower in the ones where the surgical team did not wear face masks and they were higher in the times when people when the surgical team did wear the face masks now, is that exclusive and is that a perfect example? Not bet really, but it's the best we got. But, it's, you know, I would not want my surgical team wearing face masks. 
you know, obviously if someone's got the, the you know, wheezing, sneezing, coughing and all that kind of junk, they shouldn't be in the OR in the first place. But even if they were, if they sneezed into the surgical field, chances of it causing an infection are pretty slim. Because the germ theory isn't real. <laughs> you know, it's other things that cause those problems. But anyway, you know, the bottom line is they're they're pitting the people against the people. And you know, obviously in any situation you have more uneducated and educated than you do educated. That's just natural. Smarter people tend to group together, but there are, you know, in any general slice of the pie of society, when you take it, you know, slice it up, you're going to have a larger number of people that are thinking on the side of the big team. They're the ones that want to be on the winning side that don't do their own research, just believe the crap they're hurt, they're told. And then they become the enforcers to try and force the people that have done the research that have looked at real science don't believe the, the crap coming from government and big pharma and the American murder association. And then they have to do battle with the, the morons just in order to try and maintain their own personal liberties. And the funny thing is, is, you know, again, what this lady was saying, uh, where she lived that if you didn't take the jab, you were socially ostracized. The thing is, is federal law protects people. And people need to learn how to use that. You know, when, when these businesses, these stores, these hotels, these restaurants were denying access to people because simply because they either weren't wearing a face mask or they hadn't taken the jab or whatnot. If you didn't do those things for your own religious reasons, there are federal laws that protect you and prohibit those businesses from denying you access. And if enough people had held those businesses feet to the fire and taken them to task and taken them to court, I think this stuff would have been over a whole lot quicker. The social ostracization would have been shut down pretty quickly. If you had people that were actually taking the big box stores like Walmart and um, uh, Costco and Sam's club and all the rest, you know, Walmart really didn't give people grief. You know, when it first came out, I had a, a copy of a policy from Walmart that basically said, you know, to the greeters, you know, if someone comes without one, offer to give them one. But if they say no, just let them go. And, um, of course, Sam's Club is part of Walmart. They did pretty much the same thing. I was in not a Sam's Club with no problem. Nobody ever said boo to me. And I only had a couple of times where Costco... I actually had somebody try and stop me at the door and I said, nope, you know, I showed him my card and I said, I've got a, you know, I can't wear one of those things and you're violating federal law by trying to keep me from coming in. And they, they didn't give me any grief either. I had, then I had somebody inside the store, uh, in a management position trying to cost me and I set them straight. Um, only once do I remember having a Karen, uh, is actually a guy Karen. But just a customer in the store tried to give me grief. And I told him basically to shut up and mind your own business. Um, I said, you want to wear one? Fine. I, I said, I'm not wearing one because it poses a risk of physical harm to me. And if you don't like it, go to the other side of the store. Get away from me. 
you know, that's the funny thing. These people that are so scared of the disease and they're scared of people that are, um, you know, not wearing a face diaper and potentially spreading it. So instead of retreating and going, getting as far away from that person as they could, what do they do? They get right up in your face and try and give you grief. And, you know, I thought it'd be awful fun. I didn't do it, but I thought it'd be kind of fun when they got that close to me, just start coughing on them. <laughs> Oh, geez, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, you, you know, I hope I don't give you anything. That would have been funny, but it just would have started something bigger, probably. But the thing is, is that just shows you the lack of intelligence of these people. They're programmed to react rather than to respond logically. You know, logic would say, oh, that guy's not wearing a face mask. He's dangerous. Therefore, you should get away from him. Get as far as you can from them. But because they're programmed to respond, they have to attack. They got to go into attack mode when they somebody see somebody who's not doing what they're supposed to. So they run right up and get right up in your face and give you all kinds of grief instead of doing the smart thing that would fit more properly with their understanding had they been logic, you know, logically based rather than emotionally based. And that just kind of just some of the goofy things that went on. But you can rest assured there's, they're already talking about another pandemic. And you can rest assured it won't be long before they'll roll something out, another toxin that they're claiming is a virus that's going to, who knows, do what. But they will try again. They'll roll out, if not Fauci, the, some, the, his, his predecessor uh, or his successor, excuse me, um, I'm science and this is, you know, the same and it's a dangerous thing. And this happened because people weren't vaccinated enough and all the other crap they'll start spewing. And of course, all the Karens and all the ignorant people will just jump right back on that bus and go right along with it. You know, they keep doing this stuff because they know it works because the generally dumb public, I'm, I'm beginning to think that Alexander Hamilton was right about one thing that the people of this country are too stupid to be able to run their own lives and their affairs. You know, you, from the level of bankruptcies, the level of the number of people that took these jabs, the number of people that are, you know, getting back on the same bus when they're, you know, slapped upside the head with another so-called pandemic. I'm starting to think they were right. These Most of these people are sheeple that need to be let along by the nose. But I'll tell you what, for all the other folks, the sheepdogs and the wolves, we need to get together. <laughs> and start realizing that it's too late to wake up the sheep. You just have to rally the sheep dogs and the wolves and they all need to start working together. But, uh, you know, the wolves, unfortunately are the ones pushing all this crap. So we really can't do that, but the sheep dogs need to get together and just protect the sheep dogs because the sheep are a lost cause in most cases. And again, it's a scary situation, but, um, just, uh, keep in mind, that they will keep doing this over and over until enough people wake up and start to say no, just like the grasshoppers and the ants. If the ants, if those ants ever figure out what we, you know, that they number outnumber us a hundred to one and we outnumber them a whole lot more than that, you know, more like a thousand to one or more. If enough ants ever figure that out, maybe this will turn around, but who knows? I'm not uh, real hopeful of that situation. But that's why it's being done, because the generally dumb public is just that generally dumb. 
and they're basically too beaten down. You know, people have seen what happens to other people that stand up and take a stand. They get attacked. The, the doctors that stood up and, you know, basically said, this is wrong. We need to start, you know, doing early treatment on people. We need to make sure that whatever modalities, whether it's, remed you know, uh, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or bedesonide, you know, if that stuff shows is shown to work, it needs to be available. And, you know, of course, let's not forget the nutritional aspect, the vitamin C, the, you know, the 90 essential nutrients is the smart way to go. That's what I did. And I came through it pretty much unscathed. Um, those are the kind, you know, we have to make sure that the people that stood up this time that were attacked, you know, and again, you see the, in the video, California passed, trying to pass a law saying that if the doctor uh, does, if they basically follow the science and step outside the government propaganda, their license is at stake. You know, just like when you had nurses that lost their jobs because of COVID, uh, my wife was sort of in that state. You know, she stood up and she had a uh, medical ex or religious exemption on file since 2012. Uh, for the flu shot and we maintained that it was the same thing for the covid shot and uh they you know the thing is is most again when it came to medical you know religious exemptions oh i'm going to submit this and hope they approve it and that was the problem you know i wrote my my wife's exemption and it was not a request that oh please let us you know not have to take this jab it was, you are now on notice. Federal law prohibits you from doing anything in, against me for, for exercising my right not to take this jab. And we were putting them on notice that she was not going to take it for any, under any circumstances. Not like, oh, I'm asking your permission not to have to have this. And the thing is, is most people were taking it from the standpoint, well, I have to ask permission not to get it. And those people that wrote their exemptions that way were all turned down because the, the, the lawyers who were advising the hospitals saw who were the, who were the sharks and who were the tuna. When they hook a tuna, they reel it in. When they hook a shark, they cut it loose. And there were only half a dozen sharks in the entire hospital that my wife worked at at the time because that's all the uh, exemptions that were approved it was like less than a dozen. And my wife's was one of them because we put them on notice that under no circumstances will you try and make her take this. She has a lawful right not to, and federal law protects it. So, you know, it's how you do things and how you present yourself. But of course, they always have their ways. Did she have to take the jab? No. Did she keep her job? Yes, for a while. But what they ended up doing was they put some worthless piece of crap, ignorant person in charge of her that made her life so miserable that she finally said, that's it, I'm out of here. So if they can't get you one way, they'll get you another. She quit, and basically after she had been with them for over 30 years, one of their best employees, never had any trouble, 
but then they put somebody above her that was basically her job was to make her life miserable pretty much and uh, forced her out. And she's been going from different place to different place for whatever since, because, you know, the problem you have now, and if you stay in the medical community, which I've been telling her, I says, you need to look at other things because no matter what, if you're in the medical community, the only people that are still around, especially in management positions, are the idiots that went along with the program, took the jabs, and are now going to be stupid above everybody else. And every single job that she's had since then has been someone in management who was just an absolute freaking idiot, giving her grief over things, you know, causing problems because they don't understand the law, they don't understand anything about their job. And their sole position is there to screw with people that can think for themselves. And it's it's a sad situation in the medical community in this day and age because only the morons, the 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 COVID jab suck ups are left. And they make it into management positions and then they just wreak havoc on common sense people that are still doing the work. And it's a it's a really sad situation. But the thing is, is people need to realize that you do have rights and you have to exercise those rights. If you a right delayed is a right denied, a right not active and utilized is a right that's disappeared, it's lost. You know, if you just sit there and let them do whatever they want, they will continue to do whatever they want and they'll think they have a right to do what they want when they don't. You know, you got to stand up to them saying, nope, you can't do that. And that's what the medical exemption cards are for. That's what lawsuits are for. That's what the federal law is for. And uh, the next pandemic that comes around, I am going to have uh, little sheets made up with the information on the federal laws about discrimination and that kind of thing, along with my, uh, vac- my exemption cards. And anybody that tries to deny me access, I'm going to hand them one of those sheets. I'm going to get their name. And if they continue, I tell them, I'll tell them right then and there. I said, I'm going to bill you. And if you don't pay me, I'm going to take you to court and I will win. And you just take and you figure out what the small claims limit is in your area. And that's what you start charging these people. And you just take them to court. And when you get into small claims court, when you've got all the stuff on your side and they have denied everything, you're going to win and they're going to have to pay you. Either that or you'll have liens against their business. And if you have liens against their business, wait until they try and get a loan or try and expand or anything else. They got to pay you then. <laughs> so we can get united and start going against these people and putting them in their place and showing them that you, you know, it's going to cost you more to keep screwing with us than to start, you know, just sit back and say, look, we realize they have rights and any business that's open to the public. If they deny you access, they're violating federal law. Simple as that. They cannot stop you from coming in simply because you have different religious beliefs. And those beliefs protect you. My beliefs say I'm not to, um, you know, damage or um, what's the word? Uh, Defile my temple. And as such, I am not going to wear a face diaper. I am not going to take a jab or anything else. And uh, that's what you have to do. 
So we're rapidly running out of time here. I hope you've enjoyed um, today's show, especially the video aspect. We'll play the other half of it on Thursday. And um, I put the links for that video in the chat room, uh, both of uh, Jitsi um, free conference call and um, Truth Frequency Radio. And uh, if I can, I will try and remember to put it in the um, uh, show notes on on the replays, but I can't guarantee that's going to happen. But uh, anyway, I encourage you to take care of your bodies because the only place you have to live. I also encourage you to think critically. Don't just believe everything you hear, especially when it's on mainstream media, coming from some sort of government source, uh, from American Murder Association or Big Pharma. As I guarantee you. They do not have your best interest at heart. They are all about the bottom line of making money for their stockholders and literally in this day and age, killing as many people as they possibly can.